Welcome to another episode of the Fearless Launching Show. I'm your host, Anne Samoylov, and today we're at episode 51. I'm so excited about that. I've really enjoyed hearing from you guys this week um, in response to the scholarship contest that's on the site, the website, and the blog. Uh, so if you have, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, head over to last week's episode of the show, which is at ansamoilove.com, probably right where you're listening to it. And if you scroll down, I will make sure that there's a link over to that episode. Last week, I opened up a scholarship, I hate calling it a contest, but contest and drawing. And I have decided to extend it actually so that uh, some of you who are just finding out about this have chance have a chance to do everything you need to do to be entered, and it's nothing fancy. You don't have to impress me with anything that you're doing or not doing. All you have to do is uh, four things that are listed in the episode last week. So head over there. You can do that while you're listening or after you're listening. Um, but that will close on. Sunday evening, and I will announce the winner on Monday, which is a day before Fearless Launching officially opens uh, enrollment for the 2015 and only live session of the program. I uh, made a huge decision last year not to do two live launches, and it's mostly because the second one always seems to hit at back to school time and my daughter Mila in the fall is my busiest time working with my daughter in her classroom and at school and stuff so that was a decision I made and plus you know what I love the energy of more of the beginning of the year getting things going and I think that you're setting yourself on a much better path if you are getting into if you're figuring out what you're gonna launch during the year if you start earlier uh, so with that said, uh, earlier this week, I asked you to answer a question for me and so that I could be given a little bit of courage and a little bit of inspiration about, about sharing my own story and my own answer to the question. So the question was, what would it be worth to you and what would it mean to you to have a successful launch and or a profitable launch? And funny thing is, is that I, I want to just say right off the bat that when I say successful or profitable, those I am fully aware that those are things that every single person, business owner, those are those are nothing, that's nothing that I can define for you. Everyone has a different measure of success and fulfillment. And uh, for me to say, well, unless you have a six-figure launch, that was a failure, would be actually very irresponsible of me. And it wouldn't even be me to say that. So today I wanted to share some of that, that kind of internal why and what a profitable, successful launch means to me. But also, as a result, I just kind of want to give you some of the of the pivotal moments uh, as I've, you know, throughout my life, really. But don't worry, I'm not going to, we're not going to do a three-hour re-Odyssey reading of Anne's life. But today, I do want to share some of the kind of re-kind re of occurring themes and moments where I realize something big about myself. And... Some of those do happen when I was a teenager. Some of them happen when I was even younger than that. And then I want to share like the moment where I kind of finally woke up and realized something really big. 
Um, and that's what keeps me going. And that's that big thing, that big aha is really what, how I measure my success and how I measure, how did this launch go? So let's, I feel like I should do like a Wayne's World, go back in time. And I want to just share with you that I know that I have always been an, I don't know if you want to call it an overachiever or something like that, but I've always been very active and very active in the way that I played. And I was very industrious as a child. I was always putting together these productions of shows. And I, I mentioned it on the blog. I think even like last week, I mentioned it on the, on the blog that I made a huge production plan. I remember my clipboard. I remember writing out the show plan, who was going to do what, um, what that person would do, where, you know, how we would wrap up the show, when we were going to perform it, all this stuff. I was, I was constantly enlisting my sister's into my shows, whether they were choreographed dances to some Michael Jackson song, or they were interview shows that I was producing and I was shooting with a video camera that I kind of told the librarian at the school that I needed to use for a project, but I just needed to videotape my sisters and have fun. Um, so I've been doing these types of random things since very early on. And I I'm not sure if I'm not sure exactly where, when or where it happened, but it happened very early that I, I realized, and this is, you know, some of this is super personal for me. So it's hard for me to really um, say everything I need to say or everything about that, about that time in my life. But <clears throat> my childhood, my, my family, the income level we were at or not at that all of what, what, all of that whole unit, everything that I was experiencing led me to really know that I had to depend on myself. And from a very young age, I wanted to do as good as I could do, as good, as well as I could do in school, because I knew that was my only, that was my ticket out. And I, I remember knowing that from a very early age. So learning to read early, making sure, like, I mean, I was the kid who stayed in for recess on purpose so that I could read to my teachers. Little did I know that they probably needed that break, but I remember reading to Miss Mayola in first grade during recess because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, um, I wanted to excel. And so that meant that when I was a teenager, I got jobs early. I got different types of jobs that other people didn't have. Sure, I worked at McDonald's for a hot minute, and I definitely worked at, oh, I worked at the movie theater as well. But I also had office jobs that none of my um, classmates ever got. And I remember also reading to a blind, my, one of my after school jobs was actually reading to a blind author. Um, you might know him. I'll link him down below. His name is Andrew Potok. And he may not even remember me because it wasn't a long lived job. It was like in between high school and college, I think, or in uh, one summer. But I was always taking on these different roles that required me to really step up and do more than I necessarily knew. And, and from, from 
<clears throat> from that very early age, I just realized that I loved creating things. You know, I was, I was actually just thinking that in high school as well, I must have been, I don't know if the teachers thought I was annoying or not. I don't think I was that type of person, but I definitely was doing things like blocking off, um, getting permission to block off the entire gymnasium for two different hour long periods of the day for an African dance workshop that I was teaching. <laughs> White girl teaching African dance, that was pretty funny, but it was actually something I, I did as a result of um, a arts camp that I went to during the summer, long story. But regardless, like I was always creating these events and experiences at the school, like these live events. So whether it was a lip sync contest type talent show or just a straight talent show, or it was this African dance workshop with like live drummers and like, you know, all the school was in invited to participate in it. And whether it was that kind of thing, or I'm just thinking, or it was me presenting what I had learned when I spent the summer as an exchange student in Turkey. I was always bringing in like this variety of experience and what I had, what I had done or learned with other people. So I, I feel like I've been teaching too, since a very young age. Um, and you know, during that time, I was so driven, so, so driven and always pushing and always trying to do more. I was never the lazy girl. I, I played flute. I was like always in these competitions and, and I was trying to do as much as I could do. And perhaps some of that was to avoid my part, other parts of my life that weren't so wonderful and that weren't so controllable. So I, I feel like I was always trying to do more because I, I just knew some instinctively that if I was going to kind of surpass or move beyond my small town, which it was a very small town, it still is in Vermont, um, that I needed to somehow push myself. And I, I've always had that push in me. And even even people today remark about that. My mom is always like, I don't know where you got this. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I don't either. I seriously do not know. Uh, she's like, sometimes I read what you do, Anne, and I think it's amazing. I'm like, where did she learn that? And I don't know. It's it's crazy. So I literally have always been pushing and 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 funny thing, and that that kind of continued through college. I was always working on outs. Uh, you know, as soon as I discovered film, that was it because uh, I I was a film major, working on other people's films. I was uh, co-writing screenplays with people, putting together, you know, crews of crews for the film shoots, shooting my own films, editing. Not on not on Final Cut Pro, people. We were we were in the steam back room and and. Um, cutting manually. Uh, so I did a lot of that type of thing in college as well. It wasn't as big as it was in high school. I, I feel like I kind of more focused in on the film during college. and But I was very much dedicated to helping people realize their ideas. So I would find an idea and I would try to find a way to ship it. And that still exists today where I actually have to kind of insulate myself from dreams and ideas because they, the second I hear one, my brain immediately goes to how to get it done. And so sometimes 
if you don't see me in Fearless Launching, the group, uh, if some of the members don't see me in there, it's because I can't look at ideas knowing that I'm going to react to them. So I will literally go off the grid during launches or right before launches so that I can get all my ideas settled and all my my wants and needs for a launch. <clears throat> so yeah, ideas, it's not like they're dangerous to me, but a funny thing is later, and this is kind of cutting to way later when I was working with, gosh, you know, actually it happened many different times. When I was working in animation, I would always have ideas about the the way we were getting things done and the, the production process. And I think one of the reasons I left that world is because as a producer or a project manager or a coordinator in that world, your role isn't to give creative advice. And so the artist would just kind of look at me like, you're not my lead. You can't give me feedback on this shot. And so that kind of, even though I was always giving the ideas, I definitely felt shut down a lot in that role. But when I, <laughs> this is funny, when I went to work with Laura Roeder, um, you know, the very first couple of months, I feel like we were struggling against, she would tell me some ideas and I would put them in motion right away. And so we had to, we had to kind of, we laughed about it and we had to come up with some sort of shorthand so that we would remember to say, this is just an FYI. This is not a, we're doing this. This is not an FYI. You do, and this is, or this is a do, let's start this project now because I, with ideas, I just like to run with it. <laughs> And it's kind of funny that that always happened. Um, and it's not necessarily a great place to be because if you, if, if, if you're like me in that case, then how do you, I said insulate, I insulate myself from the outer world, but how do you insulate yourself from like the constant flux of ideas that come in when you're launching? So my goodness. So, so regardless, all of this time, um, way before Laura, way before, um, way before any of this kind of started crystallizing as to what I love to do, I was really demonstrating that I could show up, learn how to do something, define what the work would be to do that thing, do the work, and then deliver it. And that kind of became my MO of how I did everything. But, you know, so that that led me to recording an album and, you know, working a couple years um with a few different people on that, but then not really leading to anything because after I did it, after I got my website up, after I put my music on iTunes, still there by the way, and after I started doing some performances out, I really just didn't know what to do next. And I didn't have anybody there to tell me that, um, which was really tough. And if, but I didn't really ask anybody either. I didn't really say who, what should I be doing now? I just felt like I was supposed to know. And, and then also, uh, the same kind of thing happened with Pilates when being like a complete weakling in school, you know, dreading PE and gym class always, I thought it was funny. I liked the story that Pilates actually made me feel strong again. And it made me feel like, wow, I can teach Pilates. I am a physically fit person. And so I went on that path and I figured out how to get certified and I figured out what work I needed to do on myself and how I needed to teach and how to get clients and how to, you know, set that up as a business. And I did the work, but it wasn't enough and neither of these, the, the music and the Pilates is really where the big awakening started happening because I didn't have a big vision. 
I didn't have like I, I was lacking that big time. And again, I mentioned this lack of vision in, in last week's blog post, but that really was what showed me that, yes, I know how to do this. And I, I'm glad I followed the map, but I didn't go to the next step. I didn't ask questions. I didn't continue asking, okay, what's next? Or I didn't even take minor steps next. Um, and maybe also I realized that, you know, some of this stuff wasn't jiving with me for some reason. And what was funny is that I got my reason and, and I actually got really clear <laughs> on why I am doing this and why I can keep doing this. And that was when on February 28th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, 2008, my daughter Mila was born. And she really, I feel like she instantly gave me a tangible reason why. Um, now, I have mentioned in past videos that you may or may not have seen that that first year when I first had Mila was just like, kind of like bonkers for me because I was so used to being able to figure everything out and figure everything out and then break down the work and then do the work and then succeed and then go. I mean, I knew what to do even if I didn't know what to do. I knew how to figure things out, but I couldn't figure Mila out. <laughs> and that really, oh my goodness, that killed me for for a good, you know, for a long time. I was so crazed. I just wanted her to take her 9.30 to 10.30 nap and her 1.30 to 2.30 nap and her bed by 6, 7.30 or something like that. And, and I, um, I, I feel like that's when kind of I broke down, but I also got to the core of who I am and that exhaustion that I was feeling. I realized that, um, you know, she kind of woke me up to the fact that I'm human and that she's human. She's not a robot. I can't just program her and she does everything correctly and she has to learn everything herself. And uh, also it, it really made me excited that all of a sudden I could be an example for her. And that's when I started realizing that I could also be an example for other people of how, and of talking, of saying, this is how you should do something and actually doing that myself. I feel like so many people, no, I mean, I don't think a lot. I mean, the people I surround myself with and that I look up to, um, whether they're competition in quotes or not, they're doing what they say they're doing. They're, they are really in amazing individuals and human beings. And, but I think it, for me, um, my why became tangible because all of a sudden I realized what a giant example I, uh, and role that I had to play in my daughter's life. And was I going to just kind of like go down paths with no vision of what, you know, not even sitting down and thinking about where I wanted to take something? Did I want her to feel aimless like I had for a lot of my life? Even though I could do lots of things, I honestly felt really aimless. I feel like, where am I going? I have no clue. So I realized that I want to be that example of integrity to her, but I also want to give her that feeling of possibility and how to reach your goals and your dreams and how to look at your strengths and see that they're the clues. They are the clues that you need so that you don't have to be off track so long. And I don't consider myself off track necessarily because I was developing a skill that now I can use, you know, almost instantly if I want to. 
And now I also realize that this example is why I launch and how I measure whether something is a successful launch or not. So for me, when I look at a launch and I think, is this, what would this launch mean to me if this was a success? Well, it would mean that yes, I followed my own map. I made shifts in it. I made changes when it was necessary and right. I, I am, I, I functioned completely as an example of what I teach and my values. And I challenged others to do the same. I challenged others to rise up and do the same. And maybe that sounds all like, I don't know, cheesy or something, but that's really, that's really what me, to me is a measure of a successful launch. Now, of course, I set goals for myself, but I'm really careful on those because I think that when we set goals there, we don't really set them based on clear, practical where we're at right now. And now I'm not saying you should like undershoot, undercut yourself and say, well, I'm here. I probably won't get too far, but I do think you should look at general trends and where you're at now. And instead of saying, I'm going to make 20 sales or 50 sales or a thousand sales that you say to yourself, first of all, I really just want to reach more of the right people than I did last time. I want to reach, you know, and maybe give yourself a few different ranges that you're going to be happy with. And for me, I will, I mean, I would love it. I would love it if a hundred people joined Fearless Launching in 2015. I would love that. I would be so excited to greet everyone, share the process of launching and help you actually finally ship something because the actual act of shipping, and again, this goes back to my film filmmaking degree and working in Hollywood when I first started, and that is that the only difference between filmmakers who are, you know, getting awards and the ones who, well, not the only difference, that, that maybe is a huge generalization, but I have a huge amount of respect for anyone who can finish anything. So even if, and I was seeing this a lot, even if people's films are not good, they got it done and that is good. If you show up, you do the work and you complete it, you deserve some, some kind of like, yes, awesome for that because it's not an easy task. Even the, even the, the most lame movie that you've ever seen took a ton of work to get done. And I, I so respect that. And so I think showing up and, you know, of course, doing your best work is always, you know, a good idea. And I understand that lame movie and whatever, uh, not so great this or that, you know, everybody's got their idea of what is a good product, a good service, a good whatever. Everybody's got their own opinion, but that doesn't matter. You know, everybody's going to have their opinion. And uh, Wayne Dyer said, I always remember his quote, your opinion is none of my business. Um, and that is the way it should be because whether it's a good opinion, whether it's a good feedback, good feedback or bad feedback shouldn't be your opinion, but that you showed up in a way that was true to you. And, um, I want to spend just a few minutes saying that I received some of the most heartfelt emails. I received one woman who nearly brought me to tears last night when I was listening to her audio that she that she recorded for me and 
I was just so touched by the openness in this and, 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 and it really, it really showed me that I'm not alone. When I saw these, when I saw their messages, I'm like, wow, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in, in wanting to be an example and wanting to, to what, to feel validated and wanting to feel like, yes, I did something right. I did this. Yes. You know? And I think that we all kind of, I don't know, we all go back to that kind of feeling when we launch. I mean, launching can be so personal, but it's something you're going to have to do and kind of get over yourself throughout the life of your business. It doesn't just happen once a year. You're always launching things. You're always calling people to pay attention to you. So a launch can just do that in a different way for you and really feels like kind of like a milestone. If you can do a launch that required you to really gather up all your resources, whatever they are, um, and produce something that other people can experience. I mean, wow. I mean, hopefully that end part really just now wasn't totally too rambly and that you kind of get me on this. And I think you do because the, the feedback that I'm getting is, is that you do get me and you get, get how I'm feeling about this. And you know, if there's one thing that I can leave you with today is that you do need to show up, define the work, do the work, uh, and deliver it. But you also want to do that in a way that is right for you. Because I feel like that's what's going to bring you that feeling like that you are a success. Because so many different, there's so many different variables to make a launch profitable or successful revenue wise. But if you look back on a launch that went really well money-wise, but you're like, yeah, but I kind of felt slimy, then it probably is not going to have that same feeling of success as one where you really used your intuition, used what you know, the tools you have, not even just intuition, but like use the tools you have, use your knowledge, use your knowledge of your audience, and you really connected with them and connected with people. Okay. Thank you guys for listening and I hope you will join me next week. We're going to have at least one or two events coming up that you may be invited to and I know you will, so not maybe. Uh, so stay tuned. Next Tuesday, Fearless Launching does open for the only live round of 2015. I hope you join me. I hope you join us really and I am looking forward to hearing from you. One other reminder that Fearless Launching Scholarship Contest is still open until Sunday evening and you can click the link below and you'll find out all about that and about how to enter and I'm really looking forward to seeing you over there. <laughs> all right. Have a great one. Again, thanks for listening to the Fearless Launching Show and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear about it. Send me an email at support at ansamolove.com or leave me a review at ansamolove.com forward slash FLS. Take care and have a great day.